Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, great new inventory. Also, Great pre-owned inventory, if that's what your budget says and what you prefer. Great. It is Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Climbing the ladder. Rizzo's got it. Cubs win. Cubs win the final tonight, 9-3. Javi's back. Good start to the road trip. And congrats to the Cubs organization. 11,000 wins. Second uh, all-time to get there. Phillies have 10,000 losses. The Cubs have 11,000 wins. Is that bad? Maybe, yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right, let's uh, get to Neil Kulong. And on this particular show, where sometimes mediocrity reigns, Neil Kulong is there to save it. Neil, welcome. That's a good one. You put some time and effort into that. The, the no, pleasure I, is certainly all on my end. I, 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 I continue to fool you week after week into letting me come back. I'll freely admit I just made that up on the spot. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's the work of a pro's pro. It's the highest that, compliment one can receive. There you go. Thank you, sir. All right. So uh, quick Steeler camp update. Uh, how are they doing so far? <laughs> well, today um, they're they're getting their uh, they're getting the traveling legs in. They're going to move from uh, from Heinz Field back to the South Side facility. Um, I didn't hear any reason why there was a rash of thunderstorms that went through um, last night, and there are some coming through this morning or this afternoon as well. Maybe that has something to do with it. But uh, they closed it to the media, so um, not really much happening there. I don't think, as far as we can hear. But we did get the long-awaited um, interview time with the, the great, the legendary T.J. Watt, if you ask uh, Steelers fans. Yes. He's, uh, he's been he, he's been a, a 10-year Hall of Fame player already. <laughs> yes. Um, we're <laughs> excited to see uh, what new heights he can reach this season, and he seems excited about it as well. So that's, uh, that, that's the bulk of it today. It looks like it's going to be kind of a quiet day, but... Um, the, I think the biggest takeaway to this point, we we haven't really heard anything negative. Maybe that's by design. I think people kind of expected to not hear a whole lot of negative, but uh, you, you have to like what you've seen. Um, it, it seems like the pieces are are the pieces that they've you know kind of scattered across the table are finding their homes now. 
Um, this was a team, keep in mind, that, that had all the accusations of the world as far as locker room issues, um, character concerns, leadership issues. It really seems like all of that has kind of died away. And the group of newer guys that they've brought in have found their roles on the team are growing into that. You know, this, this is a topic that's come up a lot this week. You look at how much hype a player like Watt gets, and, and rightfully so. I joke around about it, but he's an excellent player. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick as well. We're not talking at all about the, the leaps and bounds improvement that we saw from Devin Bush uh, from the first half of the season to right. the second. How good is he going to be uh, over over the over uh, in his second year now that he's got another training camp under his belt? What's Bud Dupree's ceiling like? You know, we, we heard Keith Butler talk about this the other day. Uh, he's a player who comes in and plays. Um, he, he had some injury concerns early on uh, in his career, but he's gotten steadily better. And now he's in a contract year. I don't think the Steelers are going to be able to keep him long term, but he's playing for his job next season, and he's going to play for a lot of money. Um, you have to expect he's going to have a high output. Uh, they, they have a lot of pieces that are coming into place now, and I, I think – this is really what Kevin Colbert masterminded when he wanted to put together kind of one last run uh, with the, the high-level quarterback. And that really kind of seems to be mm-hmm. most of the question um, than anything else. They, they've got the defense now. This might be the most talented defense Ben Roethlisberger has ever had. So can they put the rest of it together now? Uh, we've heard some positive reports about Marcus Allen in camp. Have you heard some of the same? Um, I, I, with Allen... It's interesting because I don't think leading into this camp, he would have gotten much attention at all. Right. He's been around, but the Steelers have always kept kind of that reserve safety who's been around, who knows their system well. But from from what I've gathered of it, there are people that are, that are saying he looks you know more confident, he looks more improved than he has in the past. And this isn't a team that's great on depth at safety. They have a, a ton of uh, you know marquee premium dollars put into the top two spots, but the the third safety has always been a primary special teams guy, and he's always found a way to, to get on the right. field, yeah, uh, one way or another. And I, I think they expect that from Allen. It's not even you know a, a, a hope that he can turn that corner. They expect him to be that, and he's been around long enough. You have to kind yeah. of think like, well, yeah, they would have gone after a veteran, um, especially among the safety market. They would have gone after a veteran. They didn't think that Allen was going to be their guy. Uh, you, I think you have to kind of pencil him in now and say he's going to be a, a, a key special teams guy yeah. and you know the, the needed depth that they have to have at that position. Not only do you have to play teams, but you got to be ready uh, to, to fill in a couple snaps here and there or you know in the, the, the legacy of um, Ryan Mundy from back in the day, oh, a guy goodness, that, yeah. that he, he, he followed the same path that Allen has. You know, he, he was a, a nobody fringe roster guy for a bit. Um, people know him from the area, of course, and he grew himself into a starter. He didn't just start here. He played for a bit with the Bears as well. He had yeah. a nice little career for, yeah. for as long as uh, it took him to, to you know get on the field. Uh, he made the most of it. I, I think there are a lot of people that are saying Allen could be that type of guy, ends up with the Steelers for the length of his contract and perhaps you know a year or two extension beyond that. This is third year, by the way, with the uh, team. Uh, Artie Burns, I just wanted to keep the uh, winning streak going that he gets mentioned on the segment. Uh, so um, just thought I'd throw it in there. Uh, we need a bell. Ding. <laughs> ding. <laughs> the 77 false positives, what was the reaction around there to that? Because when they first came out about 77, I think some people sat back and went, whoa, and then all of a sudden they went, who? Okay. Uh, so what was the reaction down there about that? 
It's interesting. I've heard a couple things on this. Um, the, the reaction, first and foremost, from people was false negative, that, that or false positive. Um, it, it, to have that many right away out of nowhere, they really didn't believe it. Or at the very least, they're selling the idea that they didn't believe it. Right. And to me, it almost kind of seems, I, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but um, the NFL's numbers don't match up with national averages. I, at this point, do not have any player at all having tested. It, it does seem a little bit strange. Um, at the same time, though, if you think about it, just from like a, an organizational standpoint, an assembly line standpoint, um, there has to be something at some point that's going to kind of go wrong, you know. And maybe that's what this was for the lab that was testing everything. Um, it, you know, something gets twisted out of whack or whatever, and, and you know, the report is going to come back. Uh, you know, it, they're they're hoping to err on the side of caution and say that this is a positive test instead of a negative one, because flipping it around would be a lot worse. Um, I think they expect to some degree this is going to happen, but a lot of people are are jumping immediately to how often is is it reversed? Is this going to happen the Friday before a game? You know, and then some sure. extreme cases said kind of tongue in cheek. What, what's Belichick going to do when he finds out how to weaponize this? You know, things <laughs> like that. I, I think are are expected uh, in in a, a new, unfamiliar process like they're going to have to have. But it does kind of you know raise your eyebrow a little bit. How would they handle something like this in season? You know, if, if they're going to have to get very fast answers on a lot of things, and are they going to say? Immediately, just for the sake of everything, that this is a false positive right away, and, and try to figure it out after the game. I think most teams would prefer to do that, um, just for the, the sake of competition. They'll deal with it after the game if they have to deal with it. But by and large, um, you know, it, it, it being an issue, uh, I'm not sure if that's a, a, a I don't want to say a priority, but I, I wouldn't think most teams are going to look at this at this point in camp and say. You know, we know enough about it to not have to worry about it. We still kind of have to figure out how we're going to handle ourselves in the event that this happens. And this is kind of a dry run for us to do it. How difficult is it going to be to make cuts in a camp with no preseason game? You know, we, we were talking about this among my colleagues the other day. With the new rules that are being put in place, with the amount of, of guys that they have in camp, they're really not cutting a whole lot of people anyway. Right, I know. You know yeah. It, it, the rosters are massive in comparison to what they've been in the past. So they, they didn't, if they didn't bring in a whole lot of guys in the first place, it's because, or they, they made a lot of cuts right away. And it's probably trimming the fat. These were guys here uh, because we need the third string quarterback to throw to some receivers who aren't dead tired. So here's some guys to fill out the team when, when we're giving the veterans a rest. We're not going to do all that this year. So these guys can go just right off the bat. Um, it, it's, I think they know what their team is better now uh, than they did, and that's even without preseason games. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, the, the, the league certainly wouldn't want to, to discuss these types of things, but we've talked about the necessity of preseason games. Right. Um, if, if they had expanded in-season rosters, and I say roster, of course, I don't mean the 53. I'm, I'm talking right. about the, the massive size practice squad they have now. Yeah. Five years ago, there were eight guys in the practice squad. Now there's going to be 16, and they can protect four from week to week. Yeah. You know, it, it's you have a mini team now. Uh, before, it was really just kind of like, well, we can't cut everybody in case of injury. Um, understandably, they're going to have more, and they're going to keep more. 
I, to me, and from a, a news perspective, I think this is where the story really goes. It's not so much about the 53 anymore. Now it's going to be about the practice squad. Right. How many of these guys are you bringing in? Who are you protecting and why? And the, the reason for that is because uh, the, the rules of who can be on the practice squad have flipped. They can put anybody they want now. So it really isn't even a practice squad. This is just kind of an extension of a 53-man roster put under the, the title and the nomenclature that they're used to, uh, probably for the sake of payment. They don't want to give them you know, the, the full share of what they would get if they were on the 53-man roster uh, because they, they're not going to be active on game days, but they can't sign anywhere else either. I mean, it's sort of a sort of a, a you know something you'd think the union would have an issue with if they wanted to extend it beyond this season but it does make sense in a lot of ways and long way of, of getting back to the original question um i i think the decision to cut I, it really to me it just doesn't seem like it's going to be all that difficult because you have this entire layer of backups now um to fight that out now mm-hmm. if you're on the fringe of that backups backup role you know, I, I don't know what to say except stay close because, you know, one injury goes down. We've right. got plenty of room um, to, to add people that we know. Nobody else has really scouted us. We don't have an opportunity to, to give out film on any of the players we have. So this is the most obvious place for you. I think there, there are going to be the most transactions we've seen in a, a, probably in a September period. Yeah. Usually there are a ton, especially after the first week when salaries are no longer guaranteed. We're going to see a ton of guys moving and, and uh, coming off of this kind of you know life raft of the practice squad uh, setup that they have now. Oh, any report on how Chase Claypool's done? <laughs> you know, it, it, that's also a subject that came up. It, it's really interesting. I feel how... like I'm in your staff meeting. You may as well be. You probably need some help. Um, <laughs> the, the the buzz, the camp darling. Is, this was always kind of a, a, a tongue in cheek joke that I I've had at a, a couple of different places that I've been in my career, where fans just go absolutely nuts for that diamond in the rough. Now the, the Steelers, I think, have have more of a reason to do that than any other team. This is a team that had a, a defensive player of the year come from a guy that they cut three times prior sure. who wasn't drafted. Right. You you know, they, they've had, I don't know how many running backs come from absolutely nowhere and end up all pro status. Um, you keep an eye on these fringe guys, these practice squad candidates. Yeah. And we kind of made a joke out of it that we ended up calling the Isaac Redman Award just because Isaac Redman, the former right. Steelers running back, he received Walter Payton-level accolades yes. for his performance in, in training camp and, yes. and the preseason. And he, he was a good player. He made the team. He had a nice little career. It's just more that the fans get so into these nobodies and that they oh. start to write a narrative of a player that, that there's no possible way this guy could be this overlooked. But you, with with your you know sharp eye on Twitter, can identify this guy as an all-pro <laughs> player. It, it's, it, so it, it's, it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing. And what, yeah. what makes it even more fun is the fact that they don't even understand that it's sarcasm. They think it's a legitimate I thing. Know. So you, you nominate all these, you know, these fringe guys. And the rules back in the day where he has to be later than a, a six-round pick or later, um, undrafted. He can only have been on the list one yeah. time before. Drew, Drew, like Drew, that. Drew Pearson. Yeah, yeah. The, the good comparison. Now, the, the modern age will call him one of probably 5,000 yeah. different players. But yeah. uh, Drew Pearson, people probably didn't even realize that back in the day. Yeah. They probably just completely missed the guy um, in, in the scouting process at, at the beginning. But the, the training camp darling this year is the team's first draft pick. 
Yeah. So why is that? Because, you know, God bless her, Teresa Varley's doing 90% of the reporting that it is certainly the, the non-mainstream media, the, you know, the, the blogs and the sites are reporting on. Uh, it, it's coming from the team. They, you know, today, right. for example, what they told us is, we'll turn you away at the door at Heinz Field. You can't attend practice today, but we'll send you a practice camp report. I don't know if you guys see those or not, but the notes are written just like the Isaac Redman report was. You know, it, 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 Chase Claypool had a, a great shoestring catch along the sideline that Ben Roethlisberger, whose elbow is feeling great, it felt really good about it at the time. We're saying it's just like, wow, this is unbelievable. You guys no, are just doing this for us. And there's right. nothing in the report about any drops. Nope, not a thing. No. It's all completely positive, it's, and you only hear about the same people. It's, it's like I mean, watching. It's, it's like watching a recruiting highlight tape. You never yes, see. Yes, you never exactly. see anybody miss a jump shot, and you never see a receiver drop a ball. <laughs> Without the fancy graphics and the hip hop music in the background, it, it's, it's a highlight. Yeah, so yeah. what you get, I, I, hear, I hear Frank laughing about. It. He knows what I mean. That, yeah. That's that's internet scouting at its yeah, finest. Yeah, yeah. You, you get you get in with the culture. Oh yeah, but it, it's. It, it really, for me, it's. I'm sure that there is the, the legitimate Isaac Redman All Star candidate yeah. uh, out there at camp right now that we're not hearing about because, you know, the the, the Steelers uh, media department. I, I'm I'm poking fun at it. They're great people. It, it's yeah. they're, they're doing their job. Everybody's exactly. in a real tough spot. I understand yeah. that. Um, it, it, the idea that we're not able to see everything that's going on doesn't sit well with me. I don't think there's a way around it, but I'm sure Chase Claypool is doing really well. I, I didn't have doubts that he, he would, you know, kind of be a sensational against air kind of receiver. If you watch his game tape, I, I don't think even Mike Tomlin, who is kind of passing out rare accolades for a rookie, yeah. I don't think he expects him to get on the field a ton and, and match up no. the, the hype that's being built for him now. No. He, he's not ready to, to play at that level. And that's the reason exactly I say right. that is not because I don't think he's a, a phenomenally talented mm -hmm. athlete. Very rare size uh, for, for his physical ability. Mm -hmm. He's analyzing. I, I, I see. I didn't expect them to take Chase Claypool in the second round that that's not the guy I thought they would have taken uh, but I definitely see why they did you know it, it, mm -hmm. it's a great second round pick the same reasons I said Juju was a great second round yes pick. I see why they're they're taking him but yeah. Juju just for one example far more ready to play uh, his no rookie year than Clay and it, it people won't agree with me and I'm, I'm not a Notre Dame fan I'm not a Notre Dame hater but I'll say this I, I you and I talked. I remember talking with you about this last year. I hated Miles Boykin coming yeah. into the NFL. I'm yeah. really not a fan of him. Right. And you saw it his rookie year. He can do one thing. He can run straight. He can't cut. He can't yeah. break. He looks like a battleship. You know. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Claypool is a better prospect. They are very similar athletically. So for me, it, it's not all that dissimilar than Martavis Bryant was coming out. Another very high ceiling guy who could—he literally didn't get on the field for the first seven games or six games or whatever it was because he didn't have another route. At that point, they needed a guy that could run one route. They were really struggling early on in 2014 uh, offensively and, and very inconsistent. And he provided that vertical element that they really needed because they had a lot of skill everywhere else. He brought a lot of that for them, but they couldn't put him out there 
until he could do more than one thing and show an opposing defense that he could do more than one thing. I, I, I think Claypool is, is further along than Bryant was, and they will get him on the field. But if you're talking about the three-receiver set and you're talking about the, the right. split-end position, I'm not taking James Washington off the field for Claypool right now. I, mm-hmm. I, I, Washington looks really good. Washington had a great season, highly underrated season, yep. uh, considering what he had to go against. He had a better season than Deontay Johnson did. Yep. You know, it, it, he's a good player. Uh, they're both good players. And add Juju in there. They have a strong, uh, you know, three deep receiver chart right now. I don't think you need to force Claypool onto the field. I mean, certainly, if, if you know you're you're down six with six seconds to go at the fifty yard line, put Claypool on the field. But for for what they're going to try to do between the twenties. He's not going to be your guy right away. I, I, I see him kind of a 30-catch, maybe 400, 450-yard guy right away. Um, but he's going to grow, and he's going to be a really good player down the line. It's just not going to be immediately. Anybody else we would put in this time slot would end up becoming Isaac Redman. <laughs> not, not you. You're the first-teamer. Thank you, sir. It's, it's great to know because I, I've talked to Isaac Redman about it before, and he kind of was just like, I hate it and I love it at the same time. I think it's great, but it, it's it's what I did not want people to say about me. Although I'm happy to get the recognition for it, so it, it really fulfilled its own prophecy. You know, it was good. You are no Isaac Redman. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Neil Kulong, back with more in a moment. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. The uh, Great pre-owned inventory to go with the outstanding new inventory, which, of course, includes Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous service department as well. It's a great time to make a deal. Have you noticed noticed, there are a couple things? Uh, Home sales and car sales have been going through the roof. Unbelievable. Amazing. All right. Great to have you with us. So what are the um, the Raptors and the Detroit Lions going to do? The Lions are not going to be practicing. So they decided not to practice today. Uh, and the Raptors are threatening to um, not play the opening game of their playoff series with the Celtics. that sound right? Correct. Wow. This is over the shooting incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Now, I would comment about the shooting incident in Kenosha, Wisconsin, but I know very little about it. So it would be wrong of me to make a comment one way or the other.
you 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 uh, I would guess that you know more than I do. I'm looking more into it now, um, but I, I know the basic details is that there was a black man was shot by police as police were responding to a domestic violence incident, and the man, the black man, was getting into his car. There were three children inside, and police shot him. And then his dad uh, mentioned today to the Chicago Sun Times that he's now paralyzed from the waist down, but they don't know if it's permanent or not. Right. Was there some claim that there's no body cam footage? Uh, not that I've seen what? so far. I'm I'm just I'm skimming through the story story right now just to make sure I didn't miss any other details, but not that I know of. And did somebody say something about the possibility there was a knife? I mean, again, these are all things I don't know. So, I mean, that's I'm trying to play catch up here. Well, all I know is that there's a possibility it's going to uh, have an effect on sports because um, for the simple reason that uh, you are already getting threats from the sports world of either not practicing or even not playing to show how strongly they feel about it. And again, I have I I have no idea. Uh, I what I know about it is so limited. Yeah, according to CBS, so, Kenosha police don't have body cameras, but do have body microphones. Okay. It was captured from across the street on a video that was posted online. How about at five o'clock okay. Sunday? Okay. Hmm. All right. Police don't know whether Blake was armed or why police opened fire. Right. Well, as of right now, Toronto is still scheduled to play um, Boston tomorrow night. Now the question will be, do they? And the Lions are not practicing today. Luka Doncic, by the way, plays again tonight. Just so you know, why don't you mark that down? Mm, thank you. I wanted to give you a reason to live. And your guy Lionel Messi leaving Barcelona. As Dick Girardi would say, Messi, go on. All right, so the, uh, let's see, let's get to what's going on. Uh, NBA Utah Denver tonight. Uh, Utah leads the series three games to one. Dallas and the Clippers, 9 o'clock game, TNT. Series tied at two. 
7 o'clock, Bruins and Tampa Bay. And Vegas against Vancouver. Those are the two games tonight. Major League Baseball, the Astros lead the Angels 5-0. The game in the bottom of the second inning in Houston. By the way, Albert Pujols now second all-time at RBIs behind only Babe Ruth. Miami and the Mets. The Mets return to action tonight. They'll play... uh, I think think they're playing two tonight. It's a 5 o'clock start this evening. Phillies and Washington on Eagle 107. Gets going at 5.30 this evening. The Red Sox take their sterling juggernaut to Buffalo to take on the Blue Jays. Yankees in Atlanta tonight. Uh, Minnesota against Cleveland. Oakland against Texas. Kansas City will take on St. Louis. There's also MLS action tonight. In fact, uh, one, two, three, four, five matches in MLS this evening. All at home sites. Let's see. Who's pitching for your Yankees tonight? Let's see. Your team. Garrett Cole tonight against Ian Anderson. So the Yankees are on the verge of their 17th win before they even started. Yeah, it better be a dub tonight. Yeah. Let's see. The Phillies who do not have Garrett Cole. They tried, but they don't have him. Jake Arietta tonight. McCutcheon, Hoskins, Harper, Riamilto, Gregorius, Segura, Alec Bohm, who, by the way, homered the other day. Deep home run. Uh, Roman Quinn, Scott Kingery. That's the lineup tonight. And the Phils have also determined, Steve, the uh, fifth rotation, and they're going to give it to Spencer Howard. Vinny V going to the bullpen. Hmm. Yeah, Spencer Howard struggled first time, including getting a blister. Great prospect. Phillies are ten and fourteen. The Nationals are eleven and fifteen. And did you see that? My understanding is ESPN is now going to uh, put out as one of its shows a show. Uh, surrounding gambling. This is going to be the wager, I mean, the wagering part of this is going to be a part of the formula that keeps certain outlets alive. Okay? Just the way it is. And I don't care whether it's DraftKings, FanDuel, or getting locked up with Vegas casinos, because ESPN is opening a studio in Las Vegas. Brand new studio. Um, up and running. Uh, it overlooks, I want to say it overlooks Caesar's Palace, I believe. Uh, their Vegas studio uh, will 
have uh, content for sports gambling, both Daily Wager and a second digital show. And segments filmed at the studio will be debuting on the air today from their Vegas studio. Daily Wager will return to ESPN2's airways on September 8th, two days before the start of the NFL season. Doug Kazarian will be the one hosting it. Um, the Vegas studio, once the pandemic begins to fade, ESPN has long-term deals with both top-ranked boxing and UFC. Both companies are based and hold their events in Vegas. Uh, More NFL and NHL content because of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Raiders. Sports gambling is going to be one of the keys financially to keeping some elements afloat, I think, before more businesses can get back on track, I think. I mean, it's there. To be honest with you, you know, um, you know, it's interesting about, about ESPN. They keep building these studios in various places. Okay, I get it. But the key is to have boots on the ground. Right now, you have a lot of reporters, both in news and sports, that are doing reports from their living rooms. You know, they make a couple phone calls, they put together a report. I realize it's a pandemic, so I understand that. But you can't stick with that model. Once some sense of normalcy returns, you've got to have boots on the ground. And what's interesting, I'll give you one. I know it was completely limited this year, completely limited this year for obvious reasons. But Peter King still got the eight training camps. Well, I'm reading that. I'm reading his column this morning about all the places that he went, including Kansas City, Nashville, and so forth. Well, I'm, if you're physically there, it's the amount of information you get is remarkable, and it's so beneficial to the viewer, the listener, the reader. I mean, I know I told um, this story before, uh, but it's worth it's worth repeating in my in, in my opinion. And it's the story I told about George Lapidus, Memphis statesman, uh, also worked in talk radio in Memphis for forty plus years. He was inducted into the U.S. Basketball Writers Hall of Fame in 2014, the same year that Dick Girardi went in. So I'm there in um, 
Dallas for the ceremony, the breakfast, and the speeches. Because you know, I'm there, obviously, for Dick. It was great because Dave Jones was there as well. And George Lapidus gets up there, and he he's making his speech. I never forgot this because I told my class I told my class about this yesterday, and I always make sure I tell every class this story. He's working on the Memphis City Beat, so it's like Matt, you know, going to the Shiklemi School Board or Matt going over to the Borough Council meeting in Sealands Grove or whatever it may be. Okay. And that's what he was doing. And he had developed great rapport with the mayor of Memphis, and he had developed great rapport with several members of the Memphis City Council. One day, the editor of the newspaper calls him in and says, hey, we need to switch you over to sports. Jeez, eh, I, I don't really want to do that. He said, I really, I really like what I'm doing. I'm really comfortable at it. Editor took out a piece of paper, wrote something in the paper, handed it to him. It was a number. George Lapidus looked at the number and said, what day do you want me to start on sports? So he switches over to sports. The first event they send George Lapidus out to cover after he takes the job is the Masters at Augusta National. He's there in the information tent, the media tent. And he sees the legendary writer, Red Smith. For older members of our audience, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All those great years of the New York Times. For younger people, look it up. You will find the name Red Smith is synonymous with the greats of sports journalism. So he sees Red Smith. Figures he'd give it a shot. He walks over to him. He goes, he says, Mr. Smith, uh, my name is George Lapidus with the Memphis Statesman. It's my first time covering the Masters, really the first time I'm covering sports. He said, what advice would you have for me as I go through my career covering sports? And Red Smith looked at him and he said, two words, be there. That's the key to the best reporting out there. You have to have the ability to turn a phrase. You have to have the ability to understand what's important. You have to have the ability to cut through some of the the muck to get to the facts, the truth, and so forth. You have to have you have to have the ability to do that, but you can really only do that if you're actually there. And in journalism right now, both news and sports, because of the pandemic, people are all getting a little relaxed, saying, hey, we can actually do this without actually going going anywhere. The ones that suffer from a philosophy like that are the viewers, the listeners, and the readers. They're the ones that suffer because if you're not out there being there, picking up information, picking up tidbits, getting a feel for what's going on, figuring out what's important instead of having some source feed you something while you're sitting in your living room and then reporting on it, you have to get your hands dirty in this business. I don't care if it's something as benign as covering a football team on an everyday basis or a basketball team on an everyday basis. If you're there, so the people ask me, why do you go to practice every day? Because I said, you never know what's going to happen. And right now, with the pandemic, 
people were finding out, well, geez, well, we can do the we can do our job like this. We don't have to be there. Well, to be honest with you, you're not getting the straight skinny on virtually anything right now because very few people quote are there anymore. We've got to transition that back once this pandemic slows down to getting people out there and actually in the field that are close to stories because not every story goes through New York, not every story goes through Washington, not every story goes through Bristol, Connecticut, but most go through Sunbury. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. So, uh, is uh, Shikalimi going to play high school football this year? Yep. They'll I mean, start I on the 11. I know they'll be getting intense pressure from one individual. <laughs> yep, Central Mountain is the opening game on the 11th. Yeah, I got a lot of time on Friday nights. <laughs> Maybe I'll pop by, catch a game. 